It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Is Keys Bartender episode 194, Positively Evolved. So uh, this is going to be a solo episode. We're trying this out. Um, as most of the listeners know that we've had a uh, trip to Poland, my family and I. I spent two weeks there and then they spent an additional two weeks in Poland. Uh, before we went to Poland, uh, I arranged a rental car. We had a previous... Uh, problem with the rental cars in Poland. Uh, it seems they try to nitpick and get you on your deposit. Um, there was a car uh, that my uh, wife had rented in the, on our last trip that had a crack on the windshield and they noted it and uh, prior when they picked it up and then they tried to collect on it afterwards. A thousand dollars even though they purchased additional insurance and all that. I. Um, this time around, I tried to mitigate any of the problems by uh, obtaining an account that was separate that would just be for the rental car so they couldn't um, tie up our funds while we were over there with useless uh, charges. And I got it so it would only have the absolute uh, minimum amount they needed for a deposit at the end of it. So uh, as it turned out, the uh, went to pick up the car on the day we arrived uh, they didn't speak any English obviously you know of course that would happen they had a 10 page uh, uh, contract in Polish and uh, which I had agreed to and uh, when um, we arrived there I had purchased all the additional insurance and had to uh, like I said I had the card with the um, the minimum amount on it that I needed for a deposit and uh, we went out there and looked at the vehicle. Uh, I had to, uh, uh, for some reason, they needed, a, they wanted to have another card with the amount. And luckily, I did have an account, a separate account with a card where I had to, I, I, I made sure that there were funds on that card that were covering it in deposit. Uh, I just didn't want them to have access to, you know, multitudes of like $2,500 or something like that. Because it, it always seems like they go over the deposit amount um, when you return the vehicle. So we went outside, we took pictures of the vehicle. Uh, there were, you know, this small dents and scratches, but otherwise it was a decent vehicle. It, hadn't, um, it was in kilometers, so it had 60,000 kilometers on it. So that's about 45,000, 40,000 miles, give or take. And um, it was a, a Nissan Juke. I'd never heard of it before, but they always have these models over in Poland. If you could see all these Chevrolet or Ford models that you never hear of here in the United States, they sell over there. So we bought the vehicle. There was no tolls, so we didn't have to worry about that. Uh, we had uh, <clears throat> limited mileage. And of course, I explained about the fuel. They had about, it's, it's uh, fucked over there for fuel. It works out to maybe five, five and a half dollars to six dollars per gallon after you convert 
do the liter to gallon thing and stuff like that. So it's approximately a little more than 220, 10% or 220% of what our gas price is over here. And as they said on their highways, they have no speed limit on their on their highway system in the left lane. So you can easily drive, even in a slow lane, drive 80 miles an hour and you just once of one of these smaller vehicles, unless you have a high performance, even the high performance ones, when you go around 80 miles per hour, that the uh, mileage dramatically decreases, and you're paying six six bucks a gallon. If you're you know if you're going a thousand miles and or something like that, you, you know that can quickly rack up the bills. So I was trying to be reasonable about it. You know, I was driving to maybe 80. 85 miles per hour and still people in the left-hand side that were blowing by me looked like I was standing still and they were going uh, a good 60 miles over, maybe 140 miles per hour. So I, I didn't really have a problem with that. You know, most people were safe. I didn't see one accident while I was over there. Uh, so I left two weeks in and then my wife has the car for another two weeks. So they're staying over. I come home and work and uh, try to recoup uh, some of the, the money that I needed to pay for the trip. And when, on the day she's arriving, early in the morning, it was a Monday morning, this past Monday, and uh, I get a text. They were requesting $500 additional because we had made a, they said we turned in Slovakia, which I wasn't even sure if we did, uh, which we may have been there for five minutes because there's, uh, Slovakia is right near the border of Poland and it is part of the EU as Poland is, and there is no border. There, I mean, there is a border, obviously, there's a geographical border. I'm not a fucking uh, Cretan. I know there's a border, but there isn't border control. So it's just a highway, just like if you went from even less control, pretty much, from like Pennsylvania to Maryland. It's not like a big sign that says you are now leaving Pennsylvania and in Maryland. Uh, it just, you know, it may have been a sign. Uh, I just don't read Polish or Slovakian. And uh, they have it spelled differently over there. So... Uh, we made quickly when we were, uh, I think when they said the day that we were there, we turned around realizing we lost and we uh, turned around. And it turned out we spent maybe uh, 10, 15 minutes in there. So on a Monday, the uh, rental company had turned. The car was fine. The fuel was set up. But they said it was a $500 charge. A $500 charge for traveling into another country inside the European Union which I really didn't understand because, you know, you could stay on the highway and you drive directly into Germany without even stopping. So, um, we're, we're figuring, I picked my wife up at the, and my daughter on Monday and I figured we're going to get up the next day on Tuesday morning and it's six hours ahead and figure I'm trying to dispute it some way. They got my money, but I figure if they decide that it's, uh, within the contractual uh, obligations, I was going to have to do that, no matter what. And even though I didn't see that, I do understand that I'm not a child, you know. So, this I'm going to quickly get to the story. You guys are going to love it. So, I call the company in Poland on my phone, and I get a, a person, and he uh, he doesn't speak English. So my wife's Polish and I put her on and I asked her to translate for me. So we're talking, talking, uh, she's talking, talking. She's, I, I understand 
she's saying something about Slovakia and all that, and it doesn't seem to get heated, but I ask her every couple of minutes, I ask what's, what, what's said. And eventually she said, well, he's given us an email address so that we may call their uh, office and then uh, we'd be able to uh, dispute the uh, charge. We thought that was nice. And she said she was being very friendly. So she got back on. And then right after that, I'm thinking, wow, email address. I'm able to talk to somebody. You know, perhaps they don't have one person that speaks English. Uh, but no. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to have to write it in English one. Or she's going to have to, I'm going to have to translate it, write it in English. And she's going to have to translate it in Polish. So that's going to be a clusterfuck in itself. But we're going to do it. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, it is what it is. And then all of a sudden, uh, Abby's talking and she hears... Uh, they're having a problem with the processing of the payment on the second card I gave them. They may have gotten the wrong number. And I remember uh, they they scanned the card. He swiped it. So he, he should have gotten the information exactly. And they wanted to get the number of the card again. And right at that second, the, uh, you know, the angels sang. I was like a blessing. I was going to get screwed again. I just said to Abby when I heard this, I said, honey, just said Abby understood right away. Tell them we'll get back to them in a moment with the card. And uh, we said goodbye. And then I called up the company said, stop any payment. So this was like the last time, just like the cracked uh, windshield. That wasn't our problem. That was supposedly reported on the other uh, details that we were running get screwed again, but only get screwed if we gave him our information again. You know, I had purchased um, $250 additional insurance on top of the insurance that was on the, on the card and that, and I'm thinking, no way am I gonna get screwed again on this. So uh, we just, they kept on calling and stuff like that, and so we decided, um, I did not see the requirement of being in Slovakia, uh, being a $500 charge. So, and it should have been, since we were nearly, we were uh, within 10 miles of the border, you figure that would be like a big thing. Say, hey, make sure you don't go south. Go not, don't go down this highway in there. It's going to be 500 additional dollars, you know, almost 2,000 Zoltis. So, for change, um, Lady Luck smiled on us. So, that's the last I have to talk about that. And being in the, I'm going to change the subject, being in the... Um, I'd like to do a little seg segment. Being in the bartending industry, the service industry, I'd like to address positivity in the workplace. Uh, we work at bars. You know, in commercials, you'll see you see beautiful people having great times and celebrating uh, positive experiences. But a lot of times, you have to realize that alcohol is depressing, and that a lot of people that come in there aren't uh, in the best of moods, and they don't become in the better mood. Sometimes they get. Uh, depressed, sometimes they get violent, sometimes they get morose. Uh, fortunate for me, I live in a place where there's a travel destination, so we get people that are mentally and psychically prepared to have a good time to be happy. And you take this consideration, it's easy to be a bartender down here. And it's really hard sometimes if you think of some of these uh, local bars you go into, people show up and they're depressing, they tell you about their, their problems, you hear about people uh, being dumped, going to jail, Dying, being sick, going through, it's, it's, it's depressing. You're on a job, and a stressful job sometimes you come in there. And uh, 
it's your job, your personal responsibility um, to the employers to may, remain upbeat. And it's also your per personal responsibility to make sure that at the end of the day, you just leave that at work when you're done. I hate to say it like that, but you do not want to carry that with you at the end of the day. It's, uh, it's just a job. You don't have to do it. No one forces us to do it. But let's try to maintain a positive attitude out there. Do it for yourself if you can't do it for anybody else. Okay, let me get back to this stuff here. Uh, last week was mini season. And in South Florida, in all of Florida, it's the Caribbean uh, lobster season, the spiny lobster, which I personally do not find appetizing. It's like a big shrimp taste-wise. And I like shrimp. I just don't like really super big shrimp. And um, they don't have any claws. They just have, you know, these antennae. Uh, they got a bunch of legs and stuff like that. And they look more, they do look a lot like uh, cockroaches of the ocean. But people go fucking nuts for them. And they come down here and you have a, you get a minimum, you have a minimum of six. And uh, uh, each, supposedly. And then you have, you know, a very small percentage of people that abuse that. And uh, and as I said in previous uh, episodes, there are very few people responsible for most of the violations. There are relatively few people, but they're heinous. The violations, you know, they they go out like six times. They got smaller boats to come in. They're supposed to get six lobster per person per day, and it starts at it started. In, Midnight, when you call it, it's bully netting. You do that from your boat at night, and you dive during the daytime. And I just heard stories about people just, you know, cruising through the area like crazy. Like one, uh, one of my friends, and I think they said on a previous show, there uh, they saw people uh, um, just really speeding between boats, and then there was actually dive flags up, and they put a dive flag up to signify that there's someone in the water near the boat. And then when there's someone near the uh, a water near the boat, you're supposed to proceed with caution. You don't go. You don't, you mean you go five knots. You take your time. You give them a chance to see it, stuff like that. You just stay clear of the boat, and then you go slowly. But if you see a dive um, uh, flag up, if you're ever in, in doing that, please be considerate. Well, over this past weekend, there's a um, – if you do – I don't want to post this on the website, but if you – Google fight at the Caribbean club. Uh, when, not Google. If you go to Facebook and you do a search, fight at the Caribbean club, spell Caribbean club the right way. And it's not the, it wasn't at the Caribbean, it was at the docks at the Caribbean club. Um, it's one of the uh, boat ramps and the Caribbean club's a, a celebrated location. It's where they film uh, the movie, uh, parts of the movie, Key Largo and a movie with Jack Nicholson and, uh, I forget the other guy. Jennifer Lopez was in the movie. It was called uh, Blood and Wine, and uh, they, I think they, I think they did a scene in that uh, that uh, Showtime series or Netflix series. I never watched it. Bloodline, Bloodline there, and the uh, you'll have there was a large white boat pulling up to the dock with a group of people in it, and they hit a smaller boat. Now. On the dock, there were people, and there was a group of people on the dock filming the whole incident. And the people that were on the larger white boat got out that hit the smaller boat. And they seemed kind of perturbed that someone was filming them, and they didn't like it. 
So they approached one of the people, and it turns out they approached the largest person, and uh, they started pushing the shaman. And we pushed the larger guy down on the ground. And you'll be able to see this in a video. But what happens, the man gets pushed uh, off his feet, falls to the dock, and then his uh, another woman comes, I think from the group from the larger boat, comes in, and uh, she's kind of mouthing off. And then a woman gets in, kind of a, steps in front of the, woman, the man that fell. And one of the men off the boat, the offending boat, I think he smacks her. Now, at that point, the larger man that fell on the ground gets up and he proceeds to um, hit the man that smacked the woman, and it could be his wife or whoever. Get, uh, if you see the video, if you get the chance to see the uh, video, he threw five punches and two, uh, another one shows him throwing an additional two forearms to the head. And at one point, the uh, pusher, the guy that pusher, guy that pushed the guy down and started the, uh, the whole thing, it looks like, um, he's unconscious. So they call the police and uh, EMT, and three people are arrested, the guy on the ground, gets, uh, he gets uh, taken to the hospital and he has a, you know, he has a broken nose and blood and all that stuff. And the video, like I said, the, the video is posted and you see the amazing thing about it though, is the locals, the response. And it just may piss off people. We are a tourist town. This is not typical of the behavior of people that come down here from Miami. But the first thing you see is people say, uh, one comment was, blow up the bridge to Gilbert's, from Gilbert's. That means the bridge from the mainland to the uh, the Keys. Well, there's actually another way to get down here, but I don't know about severing or lifeline to the mainland, how that would really do anything. Um, and then they, um, you know, how would we get food and water and stuff like that? That would just be like... Uh, I, I, cutting your nose off to spite your face. It's just a crazy thing. And then they started blaming the Caribbean Club. And these people, the guy that started it, they just arrived by boat. They were drinking by boat. They did, it was not instigated by the Caribbean Club. It was instigated by an asshole at a dock in a boat. The Caribbean Club didn't have anything to do with it. It was just a, a, a congested location and two groups of people ran into each, uh, each other. But the, the idea that you would damn all tourism, and I hear that was one of the main uh, things that you hear about. You know, why, these are people that come from Miami. These are people that come down to Keys. The Keys are different now, blah, 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 blah. Well, what the fuck? In 2016, according to Tourism Today, 54% of the Keys workforce is involved in tourism. It brought in $2.7 billion. It was responsible for 60, tourism was responsible for 60% of the spending for Monroe County. And that's a tribute to tourism. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater? How are we gonna make fucking money here? It's like saying, I want well, you to take a brief break and I'm gonna come back and tell you a little story about another town that had an incident in the summer about was it uh, about 43 years ago? 
If you want to get your information about the Florida Keys straight from the locals who live here and the ones who love it here, we've got you covered. Visit 43keys.com as your source for everything Florida Keys. Sign up for our newsletter and you'll always be up to date on all the Keysy stuff that's going on down here. Go to 43keys.com. That's the number four, the number three, keys.com, and sign up today. Welcome back. This is Jim the Keys bartender. After a little break right there, uh, we were just talking about uh, the altercation here in Key Largo and how people uh, thought that maybe perhaps the best way to handle it would by uh, getting rid of the tourist or, uh, you know, the, uh, the extreme measures of the, uh, breaking our connection to the <laughs> the mainland, which fucking crazy i know even as a joke it's 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 crazy you know it's like um there was a bit on uh uh, uh, uh one of my favorite um uh, morning guys uh he had uh years ago and he's very famous and he was uh he's the most famous radio guy in the world and he had a arnold schwarzenegger impersonator come on and when he was governor Arnold was governor of California uh, the impersonator said that he was going to uh, one of the claims he made what he was going to blow up the moon so he could get rid of uh, women's periods he, he tied the, the full moon the moon uh, the phases of moon to women's periods and that was a, a way to handle uh, I think Arnold at the time was going through a problem with his uh, um, his wife, Maria Shriver, and he had a, uh, a paternity suit against him uh, by his one of his uh, uh, domestic servants. Well, once again, how do we handle, since tourism is such a big part of the Keys, uh, it would behoove us to really take care of tourism. And even though you have a few bad apples, show up. What what do you do to curtail that? And I think uh, Monroe County did do it by arresting the people that were offending in that. Whether you consider the man who, you know, who, I, I understand the violence, you know, beating the guy senseless and knocking him out may have been, but I, I don't know how I, I, I'm pretty sure I would have beaten a man unconscious if he ever smacked uh, Abby. I would, um, I would be in jail. I mean, there was it was something where you got, and, and your your limbic system, your brain, your your whatever that lizard brain we have there. I think I would beat them senseless. But I want I started to tell you about a little tourist town, and that's of Amity. About forty three years ago, uh, the little tourist town. It's actually in a movie, the little tourist town of Amity, uh, on Long, Long Island, the Hamptons, in particular had to deal with a shark problem. And I'm talking about, if you haven't figured it out yet, Jaws. And um, what happened is that there's a little bonfire on the beach. And there's a hippie chick uh, there. And there's a hippie dude. And they're looking at each other across the fire. And they may have just, whatever they're partying on, I don't, I don't know if they recall what they were doing, but... Uh, she lures the guy in there. They're, they're uh, going 
to go skinny dipping and she ends up being a victim of a shark attack. And, uh, you know, the next day you, you have a response, the town, there's, there's body, uh, there's a lost, uh, a drowned girl or a missing girl. Uh, they find body parts on the beach. And what is the re response of the town, right? They, they know something happened and, uh, Brody is brought to, is brought to his attention. He, he thinks it's, could be a shark attack, but then they come back and say, it probably could have been a motorboat accident or whatever, stuff like that. Well, first of all, you know, because it was uh, kids, and there were big, you know, there were kids that were probably visiting Amity, they didn't blow up the ferry, you know, that brought the flood of tourists in, you know, and in fact, the food for the shark, did they? No. Um, what they did do, their first response was to send a fleet of yahoos out shotgun blasting, crossbow toting, dynamite blasting yahoos to kill all the sharks willy-nilly. Which, you know, in the end, they brought in a tiger shark. Remember? Oh, what? When the Hooper, uh, Richard Dreyfus comes up and explains to me you know, what you got there is a tiger shark, and the guy said, it was really weird, it's a big, burly guy, he goes, oh, what? Like, uh, super effeminate. But, even there was no, um, you know, even even though they got that shark, they decided to send their people, you know, tourism, right? They got the one shark, couldn't guarantee that shark, the mayor, sleazy guy. Remember that suit he was wearing? You see the suit. That was emblematic of the 70s. That suit was definitely, that was the emblem, the uniform of every used car salesman, real estate guy in the 1970s. And he said, uh, listen, we are not going to close the beaches. You know, it's 4th of July weekend. Tourism is so important. I mean, in Amity, I think tourism probably didn't make even, it could have been like maybe 25 to 30% of their income. Tourism is year-round down in the Keys. They just deal with it. They have it a couple months out of the year. And they, you know, a lot of them are, were fishermen in Amity and stuff. Like that, and in the fictional town of Amity. But the dynamics still work that way. And even though they uh, had evidence that there probably wasn't, they opened up the beaches again. And then that, uh, what happens? Another attack happens out there on the beach. Jaws. It was a, just a splash that summer. Everyone went fucking nuts over sharks. You know, there was it was the end of the Vietnam War ended like a, uh, the last uh, a year a year and a half earlier. The last helicopters left uh, was ferrying uh, Americans and uh, the Vietnam uh, Vietnamese uh, uh, people that worked for the Americans off on the aircraft carriers and something were flying them in from Hanoi. It was a year and a half later and. People went nuts over shark attacks. It was crazy. It's fucking crazy. So, they, their 4th of July, a second attack occurs. They thought they had gotten the target shark and stuff like that. Hooper already explained the bite radius wasn't correct. But the guy said, you know what? The money, the money isn't there. They still sent their kids back out. They sent, the mayor sent his kids back out. They were in the water. You remember, he, they're in uh, the hospital, and uh, Brody 
Roy Schneider goes up to him and says, hey, listen, you know, you got to sign this uh, allowance and we can hire this guy, uh, uh, Quint, the boat captain, until so we can go out and get that shark, which I don't fucking quite understand how they think they were going to go and get that big shark by going out miles out into the ocean when all the attacks occurred near land. Why would you head all the way out, miles out? That's the one thing I, someone still hasn't explained. Like, does he go and feed there? Is that like his, his commute, his commute into work? Like Amity was, Hey, you know, I got to go. Actually, I think in later, uh, uh, the sequels, it turned out that the shark was a, um, a female shark and had babies and then they, uh, lived off there afterwards or something like that, whatever that was. But was that a commute going into work and then it would go and head out miles out? I mean, if I was a shark, I would just head. If there's all that food there, if you're going to go in there for, uh, if my food source was a mile away, I wouldn't go and say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to head out 20 miles away and then I'll come back to eat. Like, no, if you, if you're always meeting if you decide that you're always going to just fucking eat at McDonald's the rest of your life, why would you get an apartment or a house 20 miles away from McDonald's? You get the, you get the house within walking distance of McDonald's or right next to McDonald's. So the shark wouldn't, I mean, why they headed out and they started chumming in waters and stuff like that. It was great, but they did. They sent out what the response after they realized they have to get the shark after their real issue in the tourist town. In order to make it, in order to address the situation, they sent out Brody, Hooper, and Quint on the Orca to get the shark. Just like Monroe County Sheriff's Department did. They went out, they arrested the offending individuals. My solution today would be to uh, send a, if it was, if we did have a giant shark. And this is off topic, not, not all, it's on topic, but it's not as serious. I would have, um, today with today's technology, I would just get a remote controlled seal, um, stuffed with explosives, you know, with a little camera inside, swim it right down the fucking throat and then blow it up. Even better. How about a genetically enhanced dolphin, larger, more intelligent. Of course, uh, we, you know, eventually after the dolphin killed the shark, the dolphin would probably uh, decide that it should probably rule over us. And uh, I'd like to thank our uh, future dolphin overlords for, you know, being such good leaders. So we're going to move on to our next subject for today, ham-handed as it is, to a very, sh uh, the essence of the bar industry, the show that brings it to its core, what's really most important. And that is Bar Rescue. Now, listeners, if you're not familiar with Bar Rescue, and it's on, it's a reality show. And what they do, this is the premise. You have a failing bar. You have a, let's, a disinterested, drunk, unqualified, fill in the slides, owner. You know, it could have a drug problem. They could have a behavioral problem. You have careless and not rude employees, probably drunk too, with probably substance abuse problems. You have a uh, careless chef, filthy kitchen, 
It uh, could have rats, flies, roaches. You could have rats eating the roaches. That would probably be it. You have fryers that look like they're filled with uh, uh, pens oil, 30, you know, 30 weight oil. It just looks like, and, and a very interesting part that I've seen in anecdotal, though, and someone probably will point out to me eventually, they never show the restrooms. Maybe they're, you know, they think once they show that picture of the uh, site of an open sewer pit, that you can never recover from that. There's no way to rescue that. Now, the hero of the show is John Taffer. And uh, John Taffer talks about being in the business for 40 years. And he is the expert on how to make a bar successful. You know what I mean? He has this thing. This is one that do this, do that, do that. And there are a lot of successful bars. And they start out at the beginning. They said every every year, 6,500 bars uh, close. Bars and restaurants. Maybe bars and restaurants, whatever. And um, he's the savior of bars, obviously. And after seeing, let's say, 30 things, there seems to be common threads. And uh, the place, it's... Uh, John Taffer shows up the night before. They're sitting in a nondescript SUV with uh, a celebrity bartender or someone. Uh, one of my favorite episodes had this bartender actually from one of the episodes who was at working at the failing bar. And uh, actually was pretty sharp, I, I have to say that. And then they have uh, a culinary expert, a chef. You know, I mean, why you have a chef uh, come in for a bar and call him a chef and whatever, stuff like that. But, you know, it's bar food. I mean, you, know, you don't need a chef. And uh, they're, they're outside the bar. And, of course, inside the bar, they have a high, a very, a very well-financed surveillance system with remote control cameras looking around. And of course, the place is under capacity because if it was of capacity, that means they're making money. So that really wouldn't work for itself because the bar rescue would be most of the people are they're, they're always I guess they got to show them a, a picture of the books show them that they're losing money they're about to go to uh, out of business. I, I I don't know the particularities of it, but I do know that they're, every episode you hear that they're just moments away, um, weeks away, months away from being closed. People are close to being bankrupt. So there's no more than 20, 30 people in there. And then you have either an owner, manager, employee, relative, drinking like there's a fucking asteroid heading to planet Earth, ready to uh, make mankind extinct. There could be a fight. There could be uh, almost any number of one things. And one of the recent ones, they had the owner's wife, who was also a partner, twerking all over the place, rubbing her ass on everything, every person, all the employees, just doing it, drinking their faces off. And I know from firsthand experience that Bar Rescue calls these places first. And in order to get cameras into place, you have to, I mean, obviously, they don't go and hack the uh, surveillance systems. They put them in or get gain access to them. And have a you see the remote control cameras. Are in. So there has to be an agreement. The producers have to talk to the people. They perhaps look at their books and look at everything. So... Just think of this. You've had this set. You have an idea. They don't wait months because they can't wait months. If the place is about to go out of, out of business, 
they got to still be in business for them to rescue the place. What do you do? Well, you, they, they set it up. They know. They got, probably know within a week what's going to happen. So on the night of that episode, they're out front. You never think. this. There's no way that the place could have even worse behavior than this. If that behavior is like that every night, you got all the drunk employees, all the fights, all the arguments and stuff like that. I don't think any of these places would last a month, let alone a week. And, and my question is, as an owner of a bar, how badly do you want your bar, your place to be renovated? Enough to allow your staff to have a drunken orgy. It would appear in most cases it would. Eventually, they, you know, eventually, I imagine, uh, there, was, there was one episode where one of the employees, and this was in the past, they, um, they showed a video that uh, the nephew of one of the owners, who was the manager, rented the place out to have an adult movie made in the bar after hours. And uh, it was on a, I, a faux leather leather couch that's next to their pool table area, and uh, John Taffer comes rolling in with it, and then he shows them the video and say, "Hey, listen, is that the couch over there that these two are uh, consorting together on?" And the people are look over at the couch and go, "We sit on that couch," and they're like truly disgusted. You know, one of these days, they're going to venture across the line. They're going to have something like this. They're going to show uh, someone is going to be, uh, there's going to be drug dealing, there's going to be arms dealing, there's going to be human trafficking, or a snap film being made, or maybe cock or dog fighting. I always wanted to say a chance to have dog, cock. But then again, think about the premise as we go further along. So if Taffer comes rolling in, he sends in two people, usually, uh, just two stringers. I'd like to call them stringers. And they come in and order things off the food and they comment on the, uh, the people in the industry or perhaps, or two, two, two young ladies, two young men. They order drinks and stuff. They had to get some bad drinks and stuff. Not everyone's been drinking. You're going to get shitty service. Your food's going to be horrible. Uh, every so often when they're watching the cameras in the kitchen, you know, if the guy's not doing anything any hygienic, Taffer's just walk in and dramatically go, I can't allow you to eat this because I'm putting your lives at danger. Well, wait a second. How long could these guys have been doing this? I mean, you have health department stuff like that. After you had a couple people get sick, a couple people die, they would have shut the place down. And then Taffer comes in and starts talking to people, starts screaming his head off, screaming at them, insulting them, insulting their manhood, insulting their intentions. Insulting them as human beings to the core. And people stand there and take it. I mean, they must have bodyguards there or something like that. I don't quite understand it. But I do. what I do understand, it makes great television. And then here's another recipe for it. He comes in, he brings them a new asshole. Tells them, this is your problem. This is your problem. This is your problem. Uh, they may or may not get rid of several employees. You know, to be one bad employee. They're going to fire this person anyway. You know what? They, uh, and they, you know, every so often they fire someone. I just don't understand how they do it. You're on record. You signed up for this to, to be it. You're getting fired. 
You're never going to be able to work in the industry. You get fired for something like that, and you, you show them your bad attitude, and it's forever memorialized in tape. So they go in and say, hey, listen, I'm leaving. And then they go and say, listen, you need to give you a night to get the place in order. And more often than not, they do a half-assed attempt to try to clean it up. There's one, you know, one day so, you know, the friars they don't clean up. They don't uh, scrape, uh, scrape all the gunk off the, uh, the exhaust uh, vents. Uh, they don't clean up the bar. They don't do anything. And they come in, they get upset. They keep bringing their crews in and clean up or... They give them a second chance, and they go and run a, uh, give them a little training, tell them a couple drinks, give a little review, slight, light review and stuff like that, and then bring, open up the doors to a flood. Now, this place normally gets 40, 50 people. They bring in 120 people at one time. You bring a busload of people to a restaurant bar, you're fucked. You know what I mean? If you just have two or three people, you're not ready for it, 120 people. You're going to just have to deal with it. It's going to take a while and stuff like that. And, you know, the kitchens, the kitchens are you're already under examination, being watched. Imagine how you're being micromanaged while you're doing this. Hey, how long is it going to take you to do this? Are you there? Your fryers aren't going to blah, 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 blah. Do this hot dog. How long have you been waiting for this food to go out? Hey, are you taking care of these people over here, bartender? Look at these people over here not being served. Look at this person not being served. Hey, look, this guy snorting coke off the table over here. This guy's sticking his finger up the girl's ass. You know, whatever it is. What are you going to do? going to fail. They're designed to fail. So they fail another time. Then they bring them in, get them crying and all that stuff. You own them and stuff like that. Give them some, a little more training. Send them away for a day. A day or whatever. They make it sound like a day. And they come and redesign the place. And they come in and they reopen with half the amount of people. And I, th- I don't believe they let them in the same amount. They probably let them in like 20, 10, 20, 10, 10 people at a time. Boom, 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 boom. Get the place, um, which is called a cold open. You know, do a cold open. You don't tell anybody. You start bringing them in. You call them. You bring some people in, and you get it. That's what they're doing. They come in, open up. They're all successful in Africa or something like this. I believe you guys are going to be very good. You have, we've redesigned the place. We've got these, uh, you know, they never go into bathrooms, but it's only awesome. We've got these light sets of urinals with the mood lighting and stuff like that. allows you to urinate when you want, when you need to. So people with weak bladders have increased. No, they don't show any of that shit, but they do other things. You know, they got their POS systems, beautiful POS systems. They got their uh, uh, new uh, uh, keg system. Got their uh, the, uh, the kitchen all cleaned up, all ready to go. New products, new menu all lined up, simplified the menu, and uh, they're ready to go. You know, I think it's a great thing. Eventually, I do believe they're going to screw up and make a mistake. So, we come to the end of the show. We've got 42 minutes here. I wanted to say, uh, since we're singing about, uh, I did mention Jaws. Uh, there is a, a thing that's near and dear to my heart. I, I, I feel strongly against them. Uh, the rat, the rapine, the, the the incredible loss of sharks in our oceans. It's Shark Week right now, and there are thousands of sharks killed every day, and they're the apex predators responsible for killing. Uh, they're responsible for the balance of sea life. They kill the sick and diseased fish. You know what I mean? They, they get the, they're part of the ocean. They're part of the ecosystem. Circle of life. It's important. They're an important part of the chain. 
you take that chain, that link of the chain out, you take the predator out, it's bad. Same thing goes for lions, same things go to wolves. When wolves were reintroduced to Yosemite or the national parks, it got healthier. You need, you need other predators around. So, as parts, we started out talking about the, uh, you know, the problem at the Caribbean Club. We need tourism here. I don't mean equate to tourism to predators, but sometimes you do have bad eggs. They're not all bad eggs. If they're all bad eggs, no one would be fucking eating eggs anymore. They'll be eating, uh, what's that? What's it called? Uh, oh, God, I even forgot to go to the thing. There were, there's some artificial egg thing that people eat. Um, but if all the eggs are bad, no one would be eating them. Same thing as tourism. If all the tourism was bad. There's negative aspects and positive aspects of tourism. Uh, we survive on that down here. We don't have a huge population. There's only about 60 to 70,000 people year-round in the Keys. We do need those people down here. There's about 2.5 million to come every year. And we need those dollars to support this. I know there's people that live down here that are retired, are wealthy. But if you don't have the tourist, you don't have those restaurants you'd like to go to. Or you don't have those supermarkets that you like to shop in. Oh, you don't have the doctors. They're all down here. They're down here. If 60% of our income is generated by tourism, just imagine if 60% of your providers, your emergency, emergency responders, your teachers, and all those things that go to fund services that you need disappear. This is Jim the Keys Bartender signing off. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. See you later. <laughs>